Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. the affections, emotions, and desires of Jesus. And in this series, we're not necessarily exploring the things that Jesus has done for us on the cross. We, we just kind of do that every week. But this series specifically, we're, we're asking the question, who is he on the inside? Uh, what about him makes up his heart? What are his affections and emotions and desires? And over the past few weeks, we've explored a few things. Cody preached a couple weeks ago on the sympathy of Christ for sinners and and weak people, and that was amazing to explore that. Last week, we explored the joy set before Jesus, the reason why he went to the cross. And, uh, And then we explored the very first week, his heart full of compassion for the broken. So if you missed us, go back. We really want you to get to know who Jesus is. Uh, But today, we're really in the heart of this series on the heart of Jesus. And the reason is, is all the other stories we've looked at or passages in the Bible that we've looked at have been someone else's words about something they saw Jesus do or something about Jesus. And today in the passage that we're in today, it's really the only place in the Bible where Jesus reveals to us his heart. It's the only place in the Bible where Jesus himself talks about what's in his heart. And here's the words he uses. My heart is gentle and my heart is lowly. Gentle and lowly. We've been memorizing this verse as a church. We say it every Sunday, and today we're going to look at it. And really the inspiration for this series came from a book that came out last year called Gentle and Lowly by a guy named Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And I I read it last year and just loved it. I've bought this book probably, I bought it again last, this morning for someone else that doesn't go to our church. I probably bought 15 of these for people. It's just a really good book, and we're actually reading it now as a staff. And so if you want to go deeper and kind of see where the inspiration for this sermon series comes from, this is a great book. Uh, The other thing I like about it is it's got a really nice cover. So it's just really fun to hold. So when I finished it, not only was I sad that I was done learning about Jesus, but I just enjoyed holding it every morning. So I don't know if that makes me strange or not. But uh, today we're looking at Jesus' self-description of being gentle and lowly. Uh, I'm going to pray just for a minute, and then we'll read God's word. Lord, we ask that you would reveal your heart to us this morning. You know, if we're honest, our, our hearts are all over the place. But your heart is steady. We pray that this morning you would come in to our lives and into our hearts and you would change us. You would help us to grasp at a deeper level who you are and what your heart is made of. Lord, we pray uh, for those that need healing this morning that they might find some through exploring you in your word. And all God's people said, amen. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read... Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. Now, once we get to verse 28, you'll recognize that verse because we have been doing that for a memory verse. But we're going to do Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 30. 
And normally we use the CSV version. Today we're going to use the ESV just because it uses those words gentle and lowly. And I think it's just a little easier to understand. So here is Matthew 11:25 through 30 in the ESV. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to him. Now here's the verse that we know. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. The word of God. I, um, I have a very strange relationship with Ikea. I don't know if anybody else has a strange relationship with Ikea. And here's the reason why. Um, I like Ikea. I like Ikea because you have all these options for furniture. And it's all really modern. It, it all looks cool. And uh, it's cheaper than other stores. And so I like having Ikea furniture in my home. But I also don't like Ikea. I have a strange relationship with Ikea because although I like it, and this is just me, it doesn't have to be you, I find that I am often exhausted by Ikea and feel like it is a heavy burden to interact on any level with Ikea. Um, First of all, Ikea is a maze, right? If you go into Ikea and you wander around and it's maddening to try and figure out where you need to go. Like, if you just need one item, you literally have to walk through the entire store. You know, and there have been times that I have gone in there and I've just needed that one thing, and I'm like, I have no idea where to go to get this one thing. And after several hours of walking around in circles, you, like, corner one of those people in the yellow shirts, and you're like, tell me how I get out of here, you know? And there's always some secret door that they can show you that gets you to the end. But during that time, when you're wandering around like an idiot trying to escape, it is maddening in Ikea. Uh, Secondly, Ikea is stressful because of all the things. Like, there's not a thousand things or even 10,000 things. There's probably a million different things in Ikea. Now, I like to go shopping with my wife at Target, but before we go to Ikea together, we pray. (laughs) We pray, like we pray before we go in because we know all the things are there and like we're kind of all over the place. And then if we bring the kids, like we lose them and we find them like on some shelf sitting on a chair and it's just stressful. So we pray before we go in uh, in order that like we don't have conflict. And sometimes it works, sometimes the prayer doesn't work, right? Uh, But then also this, like the other thing that's hard about Ikea is uh, those carts that they have. And if you go to Ikea and you, like, want to get two cabinets, and I've done this by myself, you have, to, you have to get, like, six or seven boxes on one cart, and the carts don't go straight. 
So you're constantly going back and forth, and you're clunking in the walls, and you're hitting other people. You're like, I'm so sorry. And it's just humiliating to try and navigate with these carts while you're holding all the boxes down. And then you get everything home, and you have to assemble it. (laughs) You have to assemble it at home. And if you think that you like someone or that you love someone, you need to try and put Ikea furniture together with them. In fact, if we ever do a premarital counseling course here at New City, one of the requirements or one of the questions will be, have you ever assembled Ikea furniture with your fiance? If not, you need to do that before you walk the aisle and just make sure that everything's okay. I I do, I like Ikea, go shop there, sure, but I just personally, I find it exhausting and burdensome we, uh, we bought some shelves to go in this closet uh, for the worship team about six months ago, and we were putting them all together, and like, it was just kind of uh, tiring, you know, and then we got to the very end, and we realized like we didn't have the parts that we needed, and we had to go back to Ikea, and I was like, I just, I can't do it. Like, I'm done. Like, these shelves are just going to sit here unfinished and uh, below the pulpit unless someone else does something about it, because Ikea is exhausting and burdensome. Okay, that's funny. It's, it's a funny image to think about, but, but here's the reality. Here's why I tell that story. I, I think a lot of people feel like I do about Ikea, but they feel the same way about organized religion. They're exhausted and burdened. Uh, they feel tired by the church. They feel worn out by the Christian faith. They're tired of having to try and navigate their way through a maze and they don't know which way to go forward. They're tired of all the different things, all the things they have to look at and all the things they have to learn and it, and it just stresses them out. And as they try and balance those things and move forward, it's just really challenging. And then not only that, but there's a lot of conflict sometimes between Christians and churches and in organized religions. And some people are like, you know what, I just don't want to go back. I feel exhausted and burdened. Many people feel about organized religion the same way I feel about Ikea. And I think there's a lot of things that as a church we, we, should, we should listen and we should hear. Um, but I think there's something that Jesus wants to say into the midst of that, into the midst of that exhaustion with church and organized, organized religion, into the midst of that burden that you feel that the Christian faith can be sometimes, and it's this. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The the backdrop of what Jesus is getting at has to do with the religiosity of his day. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes were sort of in charge of the way that Judaism worked in Jerusalem and in Israel. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, you almost feel bad for them sometimes because every time they're talked about by Jesus, it's not good. And the reason it's not good uh, is because the Pharisees took the law of God, which was good, and they added to it. And so they said, well, the law says we can't go over here, so let's make a law that says you have to stay five feet away or ten feet away. And all of a sudden, that mentality of religion, of adding rules to things, of adding to God's commands, became so excessive 
that people could not keep up with the scribes and Pharisees any longer. And it just felt like religion had to do with obeying all these ceremonies and rules. And people were walking around tired, heavy laden, tired of working. That's the backdrop of what we're getting at today. And Jesus enters in onto the scene with that Pharisaism, that religiosity, that organized religion as the backdrop. And what's interesting is he doesn't say, hey, let me give you a new perspective on religion. Let me tell you a new plan for not being too religious. That's not what he says. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. See, Jesus, in the midst of religiosity, invites tired and weary people worn out by religion not to try something new, but to come to him. He invites them to himself. Douglas Sean O'Donnell, the theologian, puts it this way. He says, Jesus does not invite those who have found their self-worth. He does not invite the self-satisfied He does not invite the self-righteous. He does not invite those living the life of ease with their legs outstretched and their feet pushing through the soft sand of the beach. Here, Jesus invites all who labor and are heavy laden. He invites the tired, the poor, the tempest tossed, the wretched refuse, those huddled masses yearning to be free. Uh, Against the backdrop of Pharisaism, Jesus is inviting all those who have failed at religion or been failed by religion. Jesus has invited those who have failed at religion or been failed by religion, and he gives an open invitation to all who are weary and heavy laden by trying to keep up with all the rules of religion. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's an open invitation that Jesus gives, and at the same time, it's a very specific invitation that Jesus gives. See, when you and I need rest, what do we do? We unplug. If someone's worn out from work, you say, go on vacation, take a few days off. If someone's tired in a relationship, you say, you just need a little space. If someone is experiencing anxiety because of the constant triggers in their life, we tell them, Get a little space between you and those triggers. But Jesus says something interesting here. He says this about rest. He says in verse 29a, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now now the yoke was an instrument of farming that was put on two oxen. It, It bound two oxen together so that they could plow the field. And that idea of a yoke was picked up by the rabbis of the day. And they would say, take my yoke upon you. It was a way of saying, listen to my teaching about the law. Listen to me as your spiritual guide. Follow, you, follow me. Submit to me. So Jesus, in the midst of people who are wearied out by religion, says, come to me and you will find rest by taking my yoke upon you. Now, here's the weird thing. That feels a little religious to me. Submit when you're exhausted by religion to another religious figure, right? Yet, that is what Jesus says. 
Jesus says, for those who are tired and weary by religion, come before me, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, submit to me. Now, here's the interesting thing as I was thinking about rest. You and I get exhausted trying to rest. Have you ever had a rough week and you're like, if I can just get out of town, and then you try and get out of town and like things fall apart and you can't get out of town. Or you think about your life in the big picture and you're like, if I can just get rid of this thing in my life, then I'll be able to rest. If I can just get that person out of my life, then I'll be able to rest. And what happens is we get in this cycle of exhaustion where we just think, if I can just get to this place, then I'll be able to rest. The challenge is you and I never really get there. I mean, we make small changes in our life, and we get time off, and we get naps, but life is tiring. And I think it's deceptive to think once we get to this certain place, then we'll be able to rest. But Jesus invites us to come and rest in him by taking his yoke. That means to be a disciple of Christ and learn from him. Now, what's interesting, even with that point, even as we think about Jesus, Jesus had more on his plate than any of us. Jesus had thousands of people following him around who wouldn't leave him alone. He had expectations from the enemies of the Pharisees that he would do things according to their way. He had people who were literally dying to touch him so that he could heal them. All the time, Jesus was being tugged at and pulled at, and yet, in the midst of all that, Jesus rested. He went away alone and prayed with his father. He Sabbathed as the law required. Jesus was a man who had so much on his plate, and yet at the same time, he was a man who rested. What could it be like for us to even just start there and say Jesus offers us rest, but he also teaches us how to rest? Like he literally teaches us how to change our lives so that we're able to find rest in the midst of the stress. What could that look like for you to begin to even his yoke on you, and learn from him. Because Jesus is not trying to teach you a new religion. Rather, he's binding himself to you in relationship. See, even the yoke, we're like, we don't want that yoke on us. We want to be able to do what we want, when we want, and how we want it. But it's Jesus' way of also committing himself to you. Religion says you have to do enough good, then you're in. Jesus starts off by saying, I'm in with you, take my yoke upon you, and I will provide you rest. Learn from me. Now, that means we have to unlearn some things, right? When you become a Christian, there's so much that we have to unlearn that we didn't even know we knew. And part of learning from Jesus is unlearning things. But what's interesting here, even though we've talked about Sabbath rest, Jesus doesn't focus on what we learn from him. Rather, he focuses on why we learn from him. And that's where we get to the heart of the series. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then in verse, the verse he continues, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you. Submit to me as a disciple. Learn from me. And here's why, because of my heart. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Again, this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus talks about his heart. And you and I live our lives as if this is not true. Uh, We think that Jesus' heart is indifferent towards us or agitated with us or harsh on us when we fail. But that's not what Jesus says. The only place in the Bible where he describes his heart, he says his heart is gentle and lowly. Now, gentle means meek. Uh, That's the same word from the Sermon on the Mount where it says, blessed are the meek. And that's the same word that's used when Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the triumphal entry. He he comes in meek or gentle riding on a donkey. Meekness isn't being a pushover, though. Meekness is strength under control. You only use the power you have to to move things forward. You you never use more power than you need to. You never abuse your authority. You use the right pressure at the right moment. You are gentle. Just before, Jesus has talked about how he has all power. In verse 27, he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. That is to say, all power and authority are his. And yet, though he's a king, though all power and authority is his, what does he say about his heart? His heart is gentle. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Dane Ortland in this book says it this way, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. He goes on to say, the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Jesus is gentle. But Jesus is also lowly. Jesus is also lowly. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, when we think of lowly, we think of the word humility, and that's a good translation of that word. But it doesn't necessarily mean the virtue, like the virtue of, oh, they have so much humility. It means more like a humbled state of living like a lowly place in life, like someone who is unimpressive. In fact, Mary, when the angel tells her that she's going to bear the Messiah, Mary says, praise God, because he has exalted those of lowly estate. In other words, Mary, as a peasant girl, says that God has exalted her from lowliness to glory because she gets to bear the Christ child. Same word. Lowly has to do with an unimpressive state of light. And what that means when Jesus says, my heart is lowly, it means that Jesus isn't struggle with elitism. He's not interested in being a social influencer. He's naturally drawn to the lunch table where those kids sit. Maybe that was you. Jesus is naturally drawn to those who are lowly in life because his heart is gentle and his heart is lowly. And what that means is that Jesus is completely accessible. He's completely accessible. No matter what you've been through in life, 
He wants to meet you where you're at with his gentle and lowly heart. No matter what pain your heart has felt in the past or what pain your heart feels now, Jesus is ready to meet you there. Not just ready to meet you there, but like he wants to meet you there. It's something he wants to do. It naturally flows out of his heart because his heart is gentle and lowly. He sees people in humble estates, and and he moves towards their pain. His invitation is open. His invitation is specific because of his gentle and lowly heart. But maybe here's the point of challenge. Not everyone sees this invitation to engage Jesus' heart. Not everyone sees the invitation to engage Jesus' heart. In verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The wise and the understanding, that is a little bit of a jab at the Pharisees who think they know everything about God. Something happens in our hearts when we fall into religiosity. We become incredibly self-righteous. And and what Jesus is saying is if we fall into that, we won't see his invitation. But who does? Who does? Little children. He's revealed this invitation to little children who know they don't know everything, but they know their need. In fact, that's part of seeing Jesus and his invitation is that you know your need for him. Here's something to think about, though. I find that a lot of times when people are frustrated with organized religion, they're hurt by the church, or they're just tired of the Christian faith. What accompanies that is deep pain. And I say that out of experience. I was there from 2001 to about 2005, and my wife was in a place of pain because of the church, probably from 03 to 06. So I've been there, and I'm speaking out of experience. But something can happen in the midst of that pain. Anger right? You get angry. And if that anger goes unchecked, you know what happens next? Self-righteousness against the very people that hurt you with their self-righteousness. And what I find a lot of times is that people are hurt by the church, they're frustrated with the Christian faith, they're, they're done with organized religion, and their hearts get angry, and then the heart can be drawn into self-righteousness, and then there's a sense where the heart can easily say, because of what I've been through, I now know, and I've got nothing else to learn when it comes to religion. And you can end up being incredibly self-righteous about not being self-righteous or incredibly religious about not being religious. And I say that because I've been there and I see it in other people as well. And I think what's happening now, I I think a lot of people are there and they've 
been hurt by the church, and that, that's real. But the response is to then throw away everything. Let's get rid of organized religion. Let's walk away from the Christian faith. The church got it wrong and will get it right. But here's what happens in the midst of that. You miss the heart of Jesus. You miss the heart of Jesus to meet you in your place of pain. You miss the gentle and lowly heart of Jesus who says, come to me, you who are burdened and heavy laden by religion, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to meet us in our deep pain, any pain, but specifically what he's saying in this passage is is our pain that comes from being burdened by religiosity. And he doesn't invite us to a new religion. He invites us to himself. He invites us to himself. Verse 28 and 29 again, he says this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your weary souls. See, religion says perform in order to earn. And Jesus says come when you have nothing. Religion says that you have to work and obey in order to gain status. And Jesus says take up my yoke because I am committed to you. Religion says that you have to prove yourself. But Jesus says learn from Religion says run and run and run and run and you'll never get there. And Jesus invites you into discipleship where his words to you are, I will provide you rest. I will provide you rest. At times, organized religion has failed. At times, you may feel feel let down by the Christian faith. You may struggle to navigate your way through it. You may be so frustrated by all the things that the church has said. You may struggle to balance all the things we're called to in the Christian faith, and you may be tired of the conflict in the church. But in the midst of all that, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.